PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at PXG. .com. So podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Hope you had a great weekend as we uh, turn the corner. FedEx Cup playoffs now right around the corner, only three to go. And I think I saw a number on Twitter right around the 30 mark of days before opening week in the NFL. Baseball winding down. I love this time of year. As we get closer and closer to the end of summer in fall. And the greatest piece of news for me is my kids go back to school in two days. <laughs> that is, uh, that's exciting times. I can't, uh, I can't wait for that. It's that time also here, about every four to five weeks, we bring our, our boy from Golf Digest, Daniel Rappaport, up early on the West Coast. How you doing, my man? All good, all good. More lawsuits, more reading. You know, I thought I was uh, done with the book report part of my life, but we're back pouring through documents. Well, we'll get to uh, we'll get to the live, right? I mean, that's that's where we're all going. That's what people want to talk about. I hosted a little happy hour in here in my studio last Thursday, and we had about twenty to twenty five people in here. I mean, it is like, and, and, and most of these people I've never met before. And of course they know I'm in the golf business and this and that. And they come in, Hey, how you doing? Wow. This place is great. Hey, what do you think about that live? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you can't get 30 seconds into a conversation and it is bam on you. What do you think? What's going to happen? How long is it going to be here? Is, is Phil always been like this? What's the deal with Bryson? You know I mean? It's just immediate. Same thing for you. Same thing for me. Yeah, I was at a sister's birthday party. She turned 30 this weekend. Seen a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, and they're like, yeah, what's going on with the Saudis? What's going on with Live Golf? I just think like once you once you have all these themes that are like Saudi Arabia and betrayal and loyalty and greed and and money, you know, it's basically like a soap opera that's playing out in front of our eyes. And it's yep. just, I think people think of golf as so decorous and so gentlemanly and now you have this like gloves off battle between two warring organizations uh yeah it's just really really dramatic it's we haven't i mean haven't seen anything like it since i've been involved in golf and and it's definitely in the short term brought more attention to the game i don't know if it's doing damage long term but short term there's definitely more eyes yeah i was gonna ask you i mean short term i mean for the podcast and my uh platforms instagram like it's it's been great the discussion it's good for business long term i've been on the record i don't think it's the right thing for professional golf i think it um it doesn't feel right i don't think it's it's built on the right uh, characteristics as we've seen with the pga tour but we'll see how that plays out i mean make no mistake live golf is here for at least 2 to 3 years and is this a business model that's going to sustain itself look they're they're never going to make money the way they're spending money. I don't care how many sponsorships they get, TV deals. You can't be paying players 200, 135 million, this and that. Maybe you can, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems unlikely with the way they're spending right now. But before we get to that, and we're going to break it all down because there are lawsuits and I want to ask you so many questions about it. I know the PGA tour responded this morning, but I, we do need to talk about Tom Kim Yeah, um, for a second here. I mean, this is a 20 year, 
old young man from South Korea. And he's been pro for, I think, about three and a half to four years. Here's a guy that turned pro like 16, 17 years of age from South Korea. He was the yeah. Order of Merit winner in, in Korea, Order of Merit winner in Asia, comes over to the PGA Tour. I got, I got to admit, he kind of snuck up on me. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't really see this coming. He wins by five at the Wyndham Championship. Tell my audience about Tom Kim. Well, he, he wins by five and he quadruple bogeyed the first hole. Yeah. Um, so he really could have won by nine. Right. Uh, by the phone here, my parents' house is going off. But yeah, this happened fast. You know, this was someone that you're kind of hearing about uh, for the last month or two. He gets into the U.S. Open, I believe, on his world ranking. Yep. Um, finishes 23rd, which is, you know, really solid. And then it's sort of on everyone's radar, right? You're a 20-year-old kid from Korea. You come to the U.S. Open, you make the cut, finish top 25. And he gets into the Scottish Open and he finishes, I think, third, either second or yep. third against third. a loaded field. Like that was, you know, mm-hmm. one of the best fields of the year. And you're starting to think, okay, this kid can really, really, really play. Uh, and then he, you know, he last event of the year, he's got, he, there's one thing that he can do and he can win and he can make the playoffs. And that's what he does. Um, you know, I think it's, it, there's definitely something to be said for what you, for turning pro at like 16. And I think Sungjae did something yeah. similar. So the, yes, he's 20 years old. He'd be, you know, a sophomore or a junior in college. Um, but he's been doing this for a long time. And I think, I think there's a level of comfort there and a level of experience um, that, that the American players, you know, playing college golf is great and playing junior golf is great. But, you know, if you've been a professional for three years, you've been, you've been out there on your own, you know, playing in these professional events against grown men, um, you know how it's done. So, yeah, you know, this is, this is something that the PGA Tour has kind of talked about is like there will be new stars. Yep. You know? Basically, what they're saying is if you trust in the system and you trust that this is the, the place to identify the best players, and then if some guys leave, then new guys will come. And, you know, a month ago, two months ago, no one knew who Tom Kim was, right? right? And now he's, he's whoever he's talking about. He's 21 in the world. Like, that's what happens. You know, you, I was looking at a tweet the other day that was like the top 10 in the world. And this is not exactly apples to apples because we knew about these guys. But like a year ago, Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler were not in the top 10. They were they were good good young players, but they weren't anything crazy. Not like, I guess, you know, player impact program level players or however you want to measure it. And now they're number one and two in the world. Things happen. Guys yeah. funnel in and funnel out. And, and it looks like Tom Kim, he's got to make the president's cup team. That's a, that's a lock at this point. Uh, he's going to be on the PJ tour next year. And as another new star, just like that. Yeah. I mean, how, how happy is Trevor Immelman right now yeah. to see this young man uh, emerge? Um, I mean, to your points, yeah, the next stars are happening right now. I mean, you look at the FedEx Cup, Scotty Scheffler is one. Cameron Smith is two. There's Sam Burns. I mean, Scheffler and Burns, one and three, didn't even make the Ryder Cup last year. They were the, well, I'm sorry, Scheffler did. Uh, It was between those two. Scheffler gets the last spot, goes in and plays well, beats Rom. Burns doesn't even get in. Um, You know, there's Cameron Young at nine to join your regular Shoffley, Cantlay, McElroy, Finau, JT, Sungjae sneaks in at 10. So it's already happening. Um, you know, and I think when, when you see the Corn Ferry Tour, you can see these guys turning. Like, you know, I could, we talked a lot about Sam Burns when he was, when he was about ready to come over. We've been talking a lot about Mito Pereira and Cameron Young, and these guys are arriving. And now here comes Tom Kim speaking to the international flavor and just how big this game is now all over the world, makes his way over here in world rankings. And just just absolutely plays incredible golf. Thirty, see, he goes third at the Genesis, like you said, forty seventh at the Open, twenty sixth at three M, seventh at Rocket Mortgage, 
and wins the Wyndham Championship. I mean, if he pars the first hole on Thursday, he wins by nine for crying out loud. Made every putt. Uh, 27. Yeah. 27. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's special. It's it's you know, it's not it's not just like a he won by two or he won by one. Like this kid dominated and he quadruple bogey the first hole. Uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone ever, has ever done that on the PGA Tour before. Um, I, I was Justin Ray's tweet. Yeah. At least as long as they've been keeping track. I mean, he quadruple bogey the first hole of the tournament. <laughs> I think there's going to be golfers around the country now who now they're, you know, they're playing their club championship. They're playing in their, their Saturday competition, whatever it is. And they quadruple the, fir- the first hole. And they're going to say, you know what? Just got to pull a Tom Kim. That's that's the new that's the new thing. You just I like it. Tom Kim, just I like it. There and you got 17 holes to bring it back. And you know he he sort of provided an example for everybody to to why you should never give up after a, a bad first hole on Tuesday because that's when we look ahead and do the gambling picks. And we we spent quite a bit of time on Tom. And we were I, I just kept saying, look, I there's something there. Like I can't wrap my arms around this young man. And the way that he's playing, like he's a good iron player. Um, he plays from the fairway. All right, his putting seems to be a little erratic. His short game's better than like there's something there. Like he's 20, he speaks three languages. You listen to him talk, he he sounds like this joyful 27 year old young man out there. You know, it's like I just I like this kid. There's something we can't brush over this young man because of all the discussion of live and and let it. And this 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 guy. This kid's for real. I mean, he really oh, is, and he's and if for real. Any money left in the live war chest, they will be offering <laughs> it to him yeah. because he is a great young player who is from Asia but speaks good English, mm-hmm. which is definitely an asset. You know, that's just a fact of the matter. And this is the exact kind of guy that they want to sign up if they're going to be considered a league that isn't just you know for forty something year old men. Because the last like four or five guys they've signed. After they signed the Brysons and the Patrick Reeds, it was like Bubba, Charles Howell, Jason Kokrak, yeah. Paul Casey, like all those guys are older. Yeah. They need to, they, you know, they're going to, they're going to throw an absolute bag at Tom Kim if they have a bag left to throw. Oh. And with the Saudis, they'll find a bag. To throw. Oh yeah. And I'm sure those discussions are being had right now. Was it on purpose? How many times he said it's been my dream to play the PGA tour or is that just genuine from him? And he, it was like, as I'm listening to him speak, A, I'm just so impressed. B, I'm hearing all I've wanted to do my whole life. And just my goal is to get to the PGA tour and win. And now I'm here and I can't wait to keep, you know, like you could just, it was like this perfect, just two paragraphs for the PGA tour, you know, endorsing. This is what it's all about in professional golf. No one paid him to be there. He earned his way. And I mean, the story is just incredible. I mean, it really is. Um, and, and like I said, he, he's going to be around now. Speaking of that, the FedEx Cup playoffs is here. He works himself in. That's how they want things to work. You win, you're in. He had no status. Now he's a PGA Tour member because he wins. Um, and the tour's fired up, right? I mean, they are so excited about the way that that just went down. So they're in Memphis this week. FedEx St. Jude Championship, TPC Southwind, really an underrated course. I've always said Southwind deserves more. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that course. BMW Championship after that in Wilmington Country Club. How about that? Oh, Delaware. One and done. I don't think it will be back there. They're going to Chicago yeah. next year, and then it's going to be in Colorado. I think Wilmington's getting its time to shine this week. And then the Tour Champ, of course, in Eastlake when they get it down to 30. So it's here, FedEx Cup playoffs. 125 guys. Man. We've been talking about so much in the last couple of months. You excited? You know, you ready? Playoff time? 
Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be good. I think like because you know, obviously, no one's gonna go in the middle of the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's it's entirely possible that someone goes after um, to live, obviously. So I think we're gonna get like a three week break here, a little bit, um, this, where the focus kind of goes back to the golf big time. Like remember at the U.S. Open and at the British Open, it felt like we had a week where we kind of forgot about the the civil war within golf or the schism and. We talked about the golf and we dove into the golf and these are, these are an underrated couple of weeks because, mm-hmm. you know, the FedEx cup is kind of a punching bag for golf Twitter, right? It's like, does yeah. this really matter? And, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of cram the standings down our throats the whole season. Um, but look, you get three weeks in a row where all the best players are playing against each other. And so as a golf fan, that's all you can really ask for. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I am excited for three weeks of, of kind of golf, golf, golf. Yeah. It, it'll feel good after all these lawsuits that are flying around. Well, let's talk about them because the lawsuit has hit 11 players. We got our boy, Phil, boy, Bryson, Ian, Gooch, Swafford, Matt Jones, Answer, Ortiz, Perez, Kokrak, and Peter Uline. Gosh, you'd have told me that 12 years ago. The president of Titleist, his son would be in the middle of a lawsuit against the PGA Tour. I'd what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like it's just what, what, why, why would they do that? But here we are, eleven of them. They've sued the PGA Tour. It's a antitrust lawsuit, and um, I think there, there's a lot of layers there, right? With that, that they go after. But I want to talk short term first, Daniel. And, and the short term immediate of this lawsuit is you've got three players that want in this week, <laughs> right? I mean, they want in this week. Gooch, Taylor Gooch, I believe is around the 20th mark right now, somewhere in there. Hudson Swafford is 63rd and Matt Jones is 62nd. I mean, these three guys right now are inside the top 70. Well, especially if you're Taylor Gooch and you want to finish in the top 30 because number one, uh, uh, you know, money, right? Yeah. Higher FedEx Cup bonus. But if he gets the Tour Championship, he gets into all four majors next year. Mm-hmm. And so for a guy who's, these are his last if he can play in these, these are his last chances to get world ranking points. Like you don't know where your world ranking is going to be at, you know, next year you don't have a chance to play in the fall. You don't have a chance to play in January and February for world ranking points. He's looking at that top 30 mark because I can give myself some breathing room for a whole year by being in the majors. That's all they really want. They want the money and they want to be able to play the majors. And I don't think Hudson, I don't think um, Taylor Gooch is doing this because he, he really wants to play the RBC heritage. He's doing this because he wants to play in the masters. He wants to play in the U S open. He doesn't want to have to qualify. Uh, so he wants to be able to, to get his FedEx cup check to mm-hmm. play in the majors next year and to keep making his live money. And that's rubbing the guys on the PGA tour the wrong way a little bit, because they made a decision not to do that stuff so that they could preserve the majors and they could, you know, preserve the FedEx cup. Um, and now these guys are coming back and, and sort of, coming after them because when you sue the PGA tour, you su- you're suing the PGA tour players. Right. And all these legal fees, you know, live is paying all the legal fees. I'm, I'm 98% sure for the, for the plaintiffs. I believe this was part of the deal. You sign up with live, we'll pay your legal fees. Um, it's not the case with the PGA tour, you know, that, that money that they're using on their defense and, and any sort of money that would go to these players as, as you know, the result of any sort of judgment, that comes from the the piece of the pie, part of which goes to the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of the guys on the PGA Tour now are looking at this as, you know, 
when you went, that was all right. I, I understood. Yeah. You got to do what's good for your family. You got to do what's best for yourself. And I think a lot of them were thinking quietly, let them do their thing and, and watch the purses on the PGA Tour rise. So that's exactly what happened. But now they've turned around and they said, you know what? My $40 million or my $80 million or my $200 million, whatever it is, isn't enough. I want to come back and I want to, to use the, the phrase of the day to have my cake and eat it too. And I think this is a period of time. And I've talked to a number of players who have said, you know, this, this is sort of where it's like, all right, we're going to hang our hat with the PGA tour. Like we we've, you know, for whatever reason, we're not going to live. Maybe we didn't get an offer. Maybe we decided it wasn't worth it. Um, but live is basically full for next year. And I think you kind of have your 48 guys who are, who are doing live and you have your guys who are staying on the PGA tour. Yeah. I think now that there's this lawsuit, it's a little bit combative. It wasn't yeah. between the players. I think there was sort of a code between the players, like let them do their thing, let them get their money. But now that they've turned around and challenged these guys in court, now it's a little bit like it's us and it's them. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely, um, there's some, some more salt than there was a couple of weeks ago. Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey, is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't see how you can't feel that way. If you're a PGA Tour member, I mean, Billy Horschel, of course, has been his vocal. He's been out in front and you can hear it in his voice. And, you know, he, he made the comment on the interview on Golf Channel and said that, look, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, I'm, I'm upset about this clearly, but he says there's a lot more guys that are way more upset about this than I am. Do you, do you get that sense too, that inside the locker room, that there's some guys that are pretty pissed off about this. And I can't imagine if Gooch, Swafford and Jones showed up, there's going to be some words set. I would imagine. Yeah. I think there's some words set. I think there's some friendships that probably aren't really friendships anymore. There are some group chats that have probably gone really quiet. Um, I think it's, it's a complicated set of emotions for the players, mm -hmm. for, the, for the guys who stayed. Because, you know, on some level, there's probably a little bit of like grass is always greener, right? right. Like, shit, man, should I have gone a million dollars, <laughs> whatever? You decide to stay. And then you're feeling like a little bit like, I don't know how this, how this went down. And then now you see your boy who, you know, you play practice rounds with, you know, jump into a totally new stratosphere of wealth. Right. Like this guy just got wired $12 million or whatever it is. You know, Pat Perez said they pay that money in the lump sum. Like, you know, this guy just got generational wealth uh, overnight. And you're probably feeling a little bit weird about that. And you're yeah. like, all right, as long as he like kind of goes over there and does his thing. And, you know, I guess if you look at it big picture, it's probably benefiting us as well. You know, the money's going to trickle down to us and we got our, our purses raised as well. But now, you know, you're not just going to stay over there and be happy with your new situation. You're going to turn around and come after our pie. Um, yeah, I think there are definitely guys who are who don't mm -hmm. feel great about this, who feel like these guys are, you know, they, the guys who are on the PGA Tour, especially ones who had an offer from Liv, they turned down a lot of money to stay with this system. And that was yeah. a choice that they made. And they don't feel like guys who decided to take the money should now be able to reap the benefits of the system because that was a choice. You chose between the system and the money and you chose the money, which should come at the cost of the system because the guys who chose the system aren't getting the money. So there's an imbalance here, right? Yeah. One side is sacrificing something and one side feels like they shouldn't have to. And I think there's bitterness there for sure. 
Yeah. And then you, and then you can have the conversation big picture on golf, professional golf. And I get this a lot is that they're independent contractors. They should be able to do whatever they want to do. It's like, okay, I get that, but that's not always the case. I mean, independent contractor, you can move around and you know, you're a bit more of an entrepreneur, right? You don't have, you don't have that one employer, which they do now. That's what I'm saying. Like all these guys who are saying we're independent contractors. It's like, no, you're not. You're not definitely not anymore. No, you're not now. No, you you have an employer who's letting you do this because they just want to continue to disrupt. They know it's, it's in benefit for them. They just want to stir shit. I really want to stir shit. They just want to stir it. Right. They, that's, they, they walk around and they're like, we have no rules. You guys can play wherever you want. You guys want to have your media team in the middle of the fairway. They're basically trying to position themselves as everything the PJ tour is not. PJ tour says, no, we say yes. We say yes. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Yeah. And, and so it's going to go down this path, right? And you start getting these antitrust, antitrust lawsuits of, you know, okay, I'm, I'm an independent contractor and I, but I've signed up to play the PGA tour, which has rules and regulations, which I knew going in. Right. And then, so I broke those and now I'm over here. Now the question becomes in an antitrust is, you know, is there, is, did that do harm those regulations on that individual for Phil, right? For Ian, for Bryson. And it's, you know, they, they, they recommended a jury trial, which I thought was really, really interesting. You know, I spoke to, to this guy, Darren Heitner, who's a big sports law expert, who was, who was kind of walking me through the lawsuit. And he's like, you know, how it works with monopolies is you typically have to prove that they're controlling the market in some way, right? right. Like they're setting the prices or they're, you know, this or that. I have a hard time thinking that a jury is going to have sympathy uh, for these plaintiffs when they're making more money, right? You know, the PGA tour is not controlling prices. Prices are up. The guys, the guys who are now turning around and and suing the PGA tour are making more money than they were before. So yeah, not a whole lot of harm being done. That's what I'm saying. And the plaintiff is not live golf, right? So you could say maybe it's the players, maybe live golf could say, you know, all the PGA tour actions are, are, doing harm to live golf and not allowing live golf to get off the ground. But live golf is not the plaintiff. The plaintiff Mm -hmm. is those 11 golfers. It's very, very hard in Darren's opinion. And I I sort of share the same opinion. It's very, very hard to convince a jury of all these damages being done to you when you knew what was going to happen, number one, and you're making more money, Mm -hmm. you know, by signing up for live, you knew that you were stepping outside of the quote unquote ecosystem. And you knew that you were putting the major championships in jeopardy. And it's like, if you signed up to play with the USFL, you knew that you weren't going to get to play in the Super Bowl. You, you just, you know, the Super Bowl exists in the NFL. That's just like kind of how it works. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not super bullish on the players chances long-term, but the way that the law works, tie goes to the plaintiff. So the timing of the suit to launch it, you know, the week before the FedEx Cup, they know the court's not going to have any sort of time to come into a decision. So they're hoping they can kind of slide through the back door, play in these events, maybe get into the majors and, and buy themselves another year of time, at least those three guys. Yeah, I think these three, I feel like these three will play in Memphis. Um, now, long term, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. You make some good points on, you know, the, it, 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 I think you're going to have a hard time. Yeah, these guys are worse off because of the ruling. I mean, they're making more money for crying out loud. And they made the decision. No one forced them to go. And that's, and that's where I've come down. It's like, look, I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say a, a bad word about you to go make more money. Everybody's situation's different. I I've 
look, go do it. And I've given Liv some credit and getting up off the ground, this and that. But when you have that kind of budget, you better be successful. Um, so like I, I've given some credit, but then at the same time, I, I kind of go against the fact that, look, you're an independent contractor. doesn't mean that you're going to sign up for something and, and there's rules and regulations of a league. Do you remember in, in Talladega Nights when Ricky Bobby always goes, with all due respect, and remember, I'm saying with all due respect, and then the guy's like, that doesn't mean you can just say whatever you want. It's like, <laughs> just because you're an independent contractor doesn't mean right. that you can just do whatever you want. That's not just like a carte blanche for like, oh, right. I'm going to go stab someone on the street. I'm an independent contractor. No, like there are still rules that apply to you. There are still, yeah. doesn't mean that you can just free for all. Yeah. yeah, here's a good example for you, right? You're an independent contractor, okay? And you sign with vendor X and vendor X driver, irons, wedges, right now vendor X is like, we expect that this is kind of the way we want this to go. Right. And you're like, well, I'm an independent contractor. I'm going to go sign with vendor uh, Y and vendor Z. They're like, what? (laughs) Like, no, that's not the way it works. Well, but I'm an independent contractor. You know what I'm cool. saying? Like, like, like right, every, great. every contract yeah. doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. Right. I mean, it's just like, uh, that, that's what I don't give me an independent contract. I mean, I get it. Like, okay. Yeah. You have, a, you have some more flexibility. Like for example, when I, when I worked for golf channel, even though I was part-time, right? Like I just couldn't go out and kind of do a, B and C because I was an employee of golf channel. I was getting a check from them. And like they had their partners and this and that. And like, okay, what I'm doing over here had to make sure that it wasn't conflicting with some of the things over there. And I, and I, and I understood that and I agreed to that and I signed up for that and there was benefit to that, but there was also some things that I couldn't do. Now, if I, I don't longer work for golf channel, I work for myself. I'm more of an independent contractor. I I've got more range. I can go do business with them. I can go do business with them, but at the same time, I can't do business with one that's conflicting with another. Right. And they're in the same department. Like that's, that's the way it works in, in business and in the world. No business um, from a direct competitor standpoint, for the most part is going to say, Hey, just go do whatever the hell you want. Like I just, yeah. that's, that's why I just don't understand. Like you just can't say, Oh, he's an independent contractor. You do what the hell you want. No, he doesn't. No, you can't. Yeah. Because, because otherwise the tour would have like no rules that they could enforce. Like, right. You know, can you imagine if it, if like, look, I mean, can you imagine if this just goes that way and now they, these players can do whatever the hell they want. I mean, I, I just, all the money now on the live side, it'd be, I, I, I hate to say it, but I think it'd be a slow death for the tour. I think yeah. I mean, the death. tour has to be able to have rules. Otherwise, otherwise it becomes a pure arms race, right? Like otherwise it just becomes who can pay more and we know who wins that battle. And I think Monahan said that at the, at the travelers, he was like, if this turns into just like a straight up arms race, yeah. Just money, money, money. You know, the PGA Tour cannot compete with a with a Middle Eastern monarchy that has oil money that you know makes five hundred whatever million a day on oil. Yeah. You know, it's just they have to be able to have rules. They have to be able to have enforceable rules in order to exist as an organization. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, we knew it was going to get to this point. The lawsuits, yeah. and, and it's just starting. It's really just yeah, starting. it's just starting. It's going to get. It's going to get messy. I mean, it's just the funny, the the funny part of all this is like 
all of this is about money on both sides. Let's just, everybody needs to understand that what Liv is about and why these players went over there is about money. The posturing of the PGA tour is about money. Like this is all about money and you kind of play your hand accordingly. Now, are there other layers that you can convince yourself of that? Yeah, that's kind of a nice perk too. Like I only have to play 14 events. But that's not the reason why you're going over there. I only have to play three rounds. It's a shotgun start. That's not the reason why you're going over there. You're going over there because you got guaranteed money, period. So, so, so Charles Howell III, I love you, but come on. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like this has nothing to do with money. I mean, it's, it's an insult, right, to hear those kinds of things. And what's funny is you hear a lot, Daniels, and I know you've heard this, is that we don't have to play as much, right? We don't have to play as much. We have to play 14 events. This is great. And I'm making all this money. But now they're suing the tour to come back because they want to play the PGA tour, which the minimum there is 15 events. So now you want to play 29 events? <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. What they want to do is they want to do ex- what they want to do, whatever they want to do. They want to do exactly whatever they want to do. They yeah. want to cherry pick PGA tour events. And, you know, who's to say they won't sue them because of that 15 event requirement? Probably. You know? Yeah. Because if yeah. you, if you win this and it's like, oh, and they can't get away with anything. They can't tell us what to do at all. You know, maybe they, why, why should they be able to tell us that, you know, we, we have to play 15 events, you know, why should they be able to tell us that we have to apply for, you know, there's just like, if you, once you start saying, oh, they shouldn't be able to make this rule because of my independent contractor status. then as we talked about, it's a slippery slope. How many of the rules would hold up at all? But yeah, yeah I, mean, I think we're seeing that the whole play last thing. I mean, Patrick Reed is another good example, right? Oh, God. He looked me. He looked me in the eye at um, in Portland and said, "You know, he was tired of playing so much, and you know the way the FedEx Cup was set up. If you if you didn't play a couple of weeks, you fell behind. It's like, yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's what you signed work. up for. Well, that's how competitions work. Like, yeah. if someone is going to be working in any business, if someone's going to work more than you and do good work." They're going to move ahead of you. Yeah. You know, so look, I can play in Asia and, and he's probably going to play and up playing you know, 20. He's going to play more. He's going to travel yeah. more. Yeah. In Asia. Boards. Paymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles and have the give it all mentality to achieve their American dream. Paymaker Coffee only roast top quality specialty grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard and play hard, we have your coffee right here. It just, it just makes, there's, there's, there's a lot of head scratching, like makes zero sense. But at the end of the day, we we all know that it's about the almighty dollar. and, And some of these guys have a bone to pick with the tour. I mean, like they do. Um, deep down, there's some kind of bone to pick for whatever reason. So this is, this is the path that they kind of walk out with, with, with fingers up. But like, like you said, it's going to, it's, it's already getting messy. It's going to get messier when these three walk into the locker room this week in Memphis. And then as these things start to rule down and so much of these rulings is the shape of professional golf um, because no one has more money than this LIV investment group and how much they want to continue to spend and just lose money. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that, but there's no business model intact at this point. I mean, they're just hemorrhaging millions and millions and millions of dollars to be a major disruptor and to get it to this point. Now this, 
this ruling is going to be huge. Official World Golf ranking points is going to be huge. I mean, these are the dominoes now um, that are starting to fall. Let's finish with this. Do you think, do you think, and, and if, if so, how many names will jump ship at the end of the FedEx Cup playoffs? I don't know if it's the end of the FedEx Cup or the end of the President's Cup. President's Cup, yeah. Um, because it, there, there is a significant difference there because there's like a couple week difference. And mm-hmm. th- those weeks, I think there's a couple of little events between the end of the FedEx Cup and, mm-hmm. and the beginning of the President's Cup. So they're definitely going to be wanting guys to come after the FedEx Cup. To, you know, they still have, I think, five of their eight events, right? Haven't happened yet. So they want guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're going to see like three or four guys in the top 50 would be my guess. In the top 50. Um, yeah. Okay. Everything that I got, everything that I gather from my reporting is that they feel, I know for a fact that there have been multiple top 50 players who have said to their agents and, and you know, top 50 player doesn't mean that they're a big star, but someone who's ranked in the top 50 of the world who has said to their agent, like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you see what, what kind of offer you can get me? Right. Just basically wanting just engage right. in discussions and, and see what there is. Yeah. And I know that those agents have gone to live and live. has said, sorry, we're closed. We're basically yeah. closed to business. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might have one or two spots that they're, that they're holding for some, some whales, you know, some really big, big, big guys, but the vast majority of the 48 spots for their league are spoken for Yeah, to the point where they are turning people away. The um, overpaying for a Coke rack, right. The overpaying for a Henrik Stenson, like those are, those are dried up. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd be exactly right. And I think, you know, the way it was described to me is they paid these guys, especially early on a premium for, for taking this risk, yeah. right? Like that's, that's just sort of market how it works, right? Like if you, if you're a startup company and you're a startup music company and you want to bring over an Apple executive, yeah. you're going to have to pay him probably more than market because he's going to be taking a risk. And in order right. for him to feel comfortable taking that risk, you're going to have to give him a boatload of cash. Mm-hmm. That's not really, that's not really happening anymore. They, no. they don't, they don't feel like they have to pay these crazy sums um, going forward because they, they already have a little bit, a little bit of momentum. And to what you're saying about like, you know, how are they going to, how are they going to turn a profit? How are they going to continue to, it's, it's, that this is what we're talking. I don't think they think they're going to have to pay these guys, these ridiculous sums forever. They mm-hmm. feel like they got to pay initially, right? Get this thing off the ground, get it with momentum once they get a TV deal, once they get corporate sponsorships, once they're able to ideally sell the teams, I mean, that's a huge, huge part of their model. They're trying to turn golf into F1, basically, where each team is owned by, you know, maybe it's a team Adidas or I'm yeah. just, I don't know. And these right, are not, right, I'm right. just spitballing here, or a team Taylor, yeah. maybe, or a team Callaway, whatever it might be. You know, then they feel like they, they won't have to to pay these players these crazy sums because the teams will negotiate their own deals. Hmm. You know, they have a vision that's a, that's a long way out, 10 years, 20 yeah. years, as you explained to me. You know, some of these live execs are thinking 20 years down the line. Wow. And they're like, look, we are willing to eat this big loss in the beginning because if we don't eat this big loss in the beginning, then it never gets off the ground and we can never progress to step two of our plan. Yeah, you got to give them credit for that. I mean, that's, you know, they're, they're spending there are, money. There are adults in the room, yeah. big time. I mean, you give credit for that, yeah. You hear about Greg Norman, right? He's the face, but like, guy I spoke to at Bedminster is this guy, Atul Kosla, who is the COO of Live Golf, chief operating officer. He's like 42, 43 years old. And he had a big C-level suite position with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before coming over. And so when you, when you speak to someone like that and, and you ask them, and I asked him, I was like, you know, there's some belief that you guys don't, are never going to make money. 
that this is just like a glorified PR exercise. I mean, he laughs, right? Yeah. He's like, why, why would I leave my position at, at an NFL team to come over here if I just thought I was being you know, a puppet for, for MBS? The executives believe that they're going to make money. Mm. They really do. Maybe they're, maybe they're completely naive and they're out to lunch, but they're not viewing this internally as, as just like a PR exercise. They believe that golf is stale and golf is vulnerable and it will take a while and it will take a lot of money up front but they will be able to change the direction of the sport. They believe that. Wow. You know, cause I go back and forth in my mind is, okay, there's the brainwashing aspect of it. We know that. Um, is this a brainwashing exercise for Saudi Arabia um, with all the human rights issues and things that have happened over there? It's well-documented. You have that. Number two is, is this just a, is this or, and, or a uh, power trip? right? Is this them saying, look, we are powerful and we'll show you how powerful we are because we can come in and be a disruptor and put people in place to your point, the COO, and we'll get the ball moving. Right. And that's, I look, I, I tip my cat to them there. They've got, they, they got it moving and they've put out a product and there's three events in now. I think they got to get a little bigger name to win one of their events, but you know, they're, they're, they're moving. They're, and then the they're third further along, I think, than anyone at the PGA Tour thought they would be at this point. I think there was a belief after February, after, you remember at Riviera when everyone gave like their statements of loyalty and yeah. you know, I think the PGA Tour thought they had won. I thought they, they think that, sorry, they thought that this thing would never get off the ground. Yeah, I you agree. know, I think, and, and it was a fair assumption given how kind of clunky the rollout was remember there were always these like oh we're going to get these events and they're going to announce it by this date and then they're going to announce it by this date and now there are this many players and you know it just felt like it was this whole mess and i think there was a just a total unwillingness to consider that this actually might be a real thing and give them credit i've been to the first two events in the u.s it's a real thing there's there's vendors there's you know there's food there's merchandise there's grandstands there's like they've they've built golf tournaments it's happening yeah. Yeah. It's real. All right. Daniel, you're the best. I appreciate it, man. We could talk forever, but, uh, man, where are we going to be? Where are we going to be when let's say we get to the players championship next year? Like where is professional golf at, at that point? I think there's a good chance. It's still just completely tied up in the course, <laughs> okay, yeah. you know, where it's like, maybe there might be more, you know, if, if, if Hudson and, and Gooch and I don't remember who the third one is, who's trying to play in the FedEx cup playoffs, but if, uh, if Matt Jones, yeah, if those guys play, I mean, if they, if they win, then aren't all the other guys going to then, you know, do the same thing and be like, yeah, Oh yeah, I want exactly. to play too. I want to play too. I want to play too. Exactly. So, yep. you know, there's a possibility that these guys come back for a little, I, who knows? It's crazy. It's really yeah, crazy. Yeah. It'd be Jones, Swafford, and Gooch. They shouldn't tee him off first thing in the morning. They should tee him off right in the middle of the day in in Memphis and just two o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy this hundred degree heat. (laughs) Right. Hey, how does two thirty sound? Yeah. (laughs) Daniel, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, good stuff, dude. Thanks.